green and the collateral damage that it left. Well, welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Parsons Green bombing, you know, that was the one that happened a week ago in London. Uh, it's kind of been, not been talked about as much uh, in the news. You know, it's, it's really kind of sad. We, we've become so um, desensitized to these things, uh, especially, especially attacks in London, uh, because there have been so many of them in recent months. Uh, but if we can't allow that to happen. Now, you may have heard something about it. I trust that you have. I hope that you have. Um, but uh, what has been left out of the story and what really has caught my attention because of, of all we can learn from it, of, of the significance of it, of my, my compassion for, the couple who fostered the main suspect, in fact, he was just charged today. His name is Ahmed Hassan. Um, the couple, the British couple, who has uh, fostered him. And they are suffering at least as much, actually, as the people on the train who were injured in the attack. So let me go back and talk, give you a little background of what we know so far about the attack and the people who were responsible for it. And then I'm going to talk about this um, foster couple who were honored by the Queen uh, for fostering almost 300 children in about 35 years. And, um, you know, this well-respected, uh, upstanding British couple, very British couple, who now have the world's media focused upon them for, for, for having fostered this child. And um, they are, of course, gutted, devastated, and uh, I'll talk all about that in a bit. Now, the Parsons Green bombing. That occurred on September 15th of 2017 during morning rush hour. It's called the Parsons Green bombing because it occurred in the Parsons Green, Green tube station in London, the train station. And fortunately, nobody was killed, but 30 people were injured. And some of the people were injured by flash burns from the bomb, but other people were injured by getting crushed in the stampede of the people leaving the train. Fortunately, the bomb went off when the train had reached a station. So the doors opened and people were able to run out. But unfortunately, um, and, you know, it's hard to, to know what would, I ask myself, what would I do in a situation like that? If I was on a train or any place where uh, it was clear that a bomb had just gone off, would I politely let people walk in front of me? <laughs> you go ahead, sir. You go ahead, ma'am. As I, uh, you know, just uh, casually stroll out of the train, I don't really think so, to be honest. Um, so you can kind of understand that, but I still think, we need to kind of learn, more now than ever, we need to learn proper crowd behavior. There are ways, actually, and, and there have been times, I mean, you know, um, we've, we've seen occasions where people have been more organized and uh, in some kind of an um, uh, 
an unexpected attack of sorts or an unexpected happening, uh, even just a fire in a building, you know, not necessarily a terrorist attack, where there is a way for people to um, go down the stairs, get out of the place in a much more uh, organized way so that people aren't crushed under their feet. And I think it's time for more uh, towns and, and uh, perhaps the Red Cross, different organizations to um, teach that kind of behavior. Although, although uh, you know, when a bomb goes off, uh, are people really going to do that? I mean, they're certainly not going to if they haven't been taught that. So I think it's at least worth, this is an example of why it would be worth um, teaching people proper crowd behavior. Well, anyhow, um, this bomb went off in uh, the train and um, the train was packed with commuters and school children. And of course, um, whenever there's a child involved in a terrorist attack in some way or another, I mean, typically as a victim, that and those news reports go on television or the radio or the internet, that attracts other children to watch. And um, this kind of goes to uh, why it's so important to talk to children about terrorism before they see terrorist attacks on television. Um, did I say talk to children about terrorism, not about television, before they see terrorist attacks or reports about terrorism on television? Now, I don't know if this was purposely planned, it may well have been, but the bomb, uh, which only partially exploded, thank goodness was in a white plastic bucket inside a shopping bag uh, where there were wires hanging out, like, you know, hint, hint. Uh, nobody apparently saw something and said something, but in any case, it was a white plastic bucket and there was a black towel um, in it and, um, and, and visible. And uh, the white and black, of course, are the ISIS flag colors. Now, ISIS right away claimed uh, that responsibility, you know, claimed that this, this was some this or these were people involved with ISIS or influenced by ISIS. That hasn't been proven yet, but um, it likely will. Um, they used the, the he or they, uh, used an explosive called triacetone triperoxide, TATP, and that's the same explosive that was used in the London underground bombings of 7-7 in 2005, and the November 2015 Paris bombings. It's been used in a number of ISIS-inspired bombings, so it may well be right that this was, I mean, it is more likely than not right that this was inspired at least by ISIS, if not a bona fide ISIS cell. Um, now, the, uh, the next day, September 16th, they did catch the man who they have now named as Ahmed Hassan, and they caught him at the port of Dover, uh, likely planning to board the ferry from Dover to France. And he, um, they arrested him, they put him in jail, and um, then they went on to uh, raid various homes, notably, and first of all, the home of this couple, the foster couple, where he was living. And this was in Sunbury, Surrey. 
And then they also arrested that same day, the day after the attack, a 21-year-old man um, who was also, had also been living uh, with this same foster couple. He had moved out on his own by then, but he was um, in the same house. So of course it was, it was um, natural to expect that maybe the two of them had conspired on this. He has since been released, this 21-year-old man. He was from Syria. Um, and he arrived in the UK in uh, 2013. Now, the Iraqi, the 18-year-old, the, the man who is being charged today, um, is an Iraqi orphan refugee. His parents were killed in Iraq, and he made his way to the UK, and, um, and he is now being charged with um, attempting to murder persons traveling on a district line train and using a chemical compound known as TATP, to cause an explosion likely to endanger life. Those are his charges. And, and this attack caused um, the uh, UK to raise their terror alert to the highest level critical. And uh, they kept it there until they arrested a number of other people and felt that, uh, because they were suspicious that there were going to be more bomb attacks. Um, so this at the critical, the highest level uh, means that a terrorist threat is imminent. So um, they, or as I said, they arrested the 21-year-old, they, they released the 21-year-old later, and then they arrested a 25-year-old, and they arrested, um, they've arrested altogether at least six men by now have been arrested. And, uh, and the... Now, the interesting thing is, uh, the tragic, one of the tragic things is that the main suspect, the one who's, Ahmed Hassan, the one who's being charged today, is, had been arrested two weeks before the attack at Parsons Green, in the Parsons Green tube stop area. And um, he had been referred to a governmental anti-extremist program. But they left him with the couple. I mean, it's not clear how far the referral went, but they didn't have him locked up anywhere, um, either in jail or in some program. And uh, even though, you know, I mean, and that's one of the things that, uh, as I've talked about in previous podcasts, I and mean, so many of these terrorists who go on to commit attacks were in the sights of authorities before the attack. And either they stopped watching them, or in this case, you know, they just kind of, they just basically gave them a slap on the wrist, we'll, we'll refer you to, you know, how, how effective these anti-extremist programs are is yet to be seen. But in any case, it wasn't some place where he was, um, where it was a, a locked-in kind of situation. He was still free to move about and explode a bomb. So, um, so let's look now at this foster couple. Their names are Ronald and Penelope Jones. Um, they, they had been honored, as I said, by the Queen um, in, 2000 and, in 2010. 
they were uh, awarded MBEs, which stands for Member of the Order of the British Empire, for services to children and families. And they were described as the sort of people who would never turn a child away, no matter what the circumstances. Uh, they've fostered over 280 children in 30 to 40 years. There are different reports. So let's say in 35 years. And um, they, they are, I believe their ages were 70, 71 and 88. Uh, um, I'll come upon that in a minute. So, so, yes, yeah, 71 and 88. Uh, the man is 88 and the woman, Penelope, is 71. And um, they look like a very, a very sweet couple. Obviously, if they've fostered over 280 kids and they had kids of their own, they had six children of their own. So, I mean, you know, who does that? <laughs> who fosters? I mean, it's good enough. It's, it's kind enough to foster children, period. Most, in most foster homes, yes, there are some um, horror stories that we have all heard, at least in America. I don't know, um, you know... I'm not sure that there are as many horror stories, quite frankly, in uh, the UK, but in any case, from foster families. But in any case, this was certainly not a family where there were horror stories, and they were honored by the Queen. And, um, and so the, the amount of work and money, and um, yes, of course, foster parents um, do get some kind of stipend for the children, but I really don't think that that's why... Uh, this couple was doing it. They had a very nice house, and they, they, they were not, you don't do 280 kids for the money. Um, so, and all the children who they have fostered, there was never, there was never a terrorist before. Uh, they had been fostering just, you know, regular children that was, um, that needed foster homes. I mean, typically these are children who have been abused or neglected. And they, they stopped fostering children because they were getting up in age. And, um, but then there is now this, this um, push in London for families being needed to foster refugees. And so they started again um, to foster, well, I don't, you can't even say children because um, Ahmed was 18 and the other man who was arrested and then released was 21. These are not children. So uh, I, I think that needs to totally be revamped, this idea of um, who is going to be considered appropriate for being fostered. Um, they took in children from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Syria, obviously, um, and so the neighbors are all talking, and they're saying things like, this has come as a big shock to them. You don't expect it in your own house. Um, that's actually someone, one of the authorities, a Surrey County, County Councilor, saying that. But the they and the, um, and the neighbors are talking about it. Um, this man, um, Ahmed, had come to the UK three years ago after his parents had been killed in Iraq. Now, you know, we don't know, or it hasn't been reported yet, how his parents were killed, and does he likely blame uh, the UK and, well, the West, uh, the UK, America, for the killing of his parents? Quite possibly. Um, 
So, you know, these kinds of things have to be looked at before planting them in, in the home of um, a couple like the Joneses. Um, they, after the attack uh, on the train, the police have been uh, scouring the home of these, well, they've been scouring a lot of homes, but in the, especially the home of the, um, of the Joneses, where, the, where Ahmed came from. And um, they have been finding bomb-making materials in the garden, under the floorboards. I mean, they're basically tearing apart the home of this sweet couple, Penny and Ron Jones, um, who dedicated their life to helping children. Now, you know, this is collateral damage. These are um, people who are now uh, psychologically and physically devastated by this. Um, it's, it's, you know, you could say the road to no good deed, no good deed goes unpunished which is a very pessimistic way of looking at life, but I'm sure people are saying that. And, um, and, but it's not, it wasn't their fault, of course, that this, you know, that, that's, an, that's sort of a key thing that I want to make clear here. Um, when foster children come to foster parents, they come from homes where they have been abused or neglected or they're orphans like Ahmed. Um, but, they come from traumatic homes, a traumatic childhood, in other words, before they're placed, before the step is taken um, to place them in a foster home. And if they're young enough and they get enough therapy and the foster parents are loving enough, then they can be uh, not cured exactly, but they can be helped to process whatever the trauma was from before. But depending upon how severe the trauma was, and of course in Ahmed's case, you know, with his parents uh, being killed in Iraq and with all of the fighting that's been happening in Iraq, and um, of course he would be very vulnerable to becoming radicalized, either probably in Iraq <laughs> before he even came to the UK, and then quite likely continuing to be radicalized in the UK. Um, because because refugees, immigrants are often marginalized or often find people um, from their own cultures and some of whom are very angry, many of whom are very angry. They haven't really been, been they haven't fit into the society and they, they are easily um, radicalized uh, because of how angry they are. So, so, it's, I, I have no doubt that um, the Joneses, the foster family, were very loving. They must have a very big heart to foster almost 300 kids uh, over these years. But um, this was a bit too much to, to expect any foster couple to be able to counteract. And in fact, when he was arrested two weeks before, they should never have returned him to a foster family. As I was saying, they should have kept him in some kind of watch situation, more carefully watched and not, not, um, 
I mean, he was a ticking time bomb, and they should have recognized that. Literally, he became, uh, he was, and he, he manifested himself as a ticking time bomb. And he should never have, it should never have um, been, he should never have been left in the family to have this impact the couple. I mean, I'm quite, I'm hoping, and I, I don't know if this is so, but I'm hoping that this couple who is still displaced from their house as the police are ransacking it, um, I hope that they are getting medical and psychological treatment themselves because um, the trauma of, of, of having, being, being betrayed giving their whole life, dedicating their whole life to children and finally getting one who betrays them is, is incalculable. There's going to be a, a tremendous psychological impact, depression, uh, anxiety, um, just a feeling of, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I, I think this is going to contribute to a much shorter death, um, a much shorter lifespan, death coming much sooner to this couple than had this not happened. Because, you know, it's not, it's a lot more than a slap in the face. It's just, it's just here, you, one minute, one year you're being honored by the queen, giving this high, being given this high award. And then the next minute, one of the things that you're being honored for, one of these children who you've given your, your soul to, um, betrays you like this. And, and humiliates you because especially the British are very sensitive to any kind of look of impropriety. And um, they're going to be worried about people thinking that they weren't good enough parents, foster parents, which couldn't be farthest from the truth. Or we would have seen a lot more problems from the almost 300 kids that they fostered over the past years. So it's really a disaster for them and they are collateral damage. And, um, I just hope that the British government is is um, is giving them a lot of attention. Besides the house that they're ransacking, are giving a, a lot of medical and psychological attention. Um, really intensive psychotherapy is what they need, if not medications to calm them. Uh, you know, um, anti-anxiety medications to calm them in this acute period of of you know not only. I mean, also, what's are they going to give them a new house to live in? Or are they going to fix their house? Um, where are they going to live? It's not going to be, it's not going to be uh, overnight that the house is going to be fixed. And, and do you go back into a house where bomb-making materials were found? Or are you afraid every minute that the house is going to explode? I mean, this is, this is a, a, a total disaster for this couple. And I just hope that people are, you know, people have been paying attention to the people who were on the train and were, were burned or crushed, you know, um, and they're recovering from their injuries. Uh, but I hope people, and I, I don't seem to see that from the media, that people are giving or the government is giving the same kind of attention to this couple. But I certainly hope that that will be the case. Um, there are neighbors who said that they tried to talk to this young man when he was uh, in the foster family's home and they, uh, like they offered to take him to church. And then these, um, the Muslim, the, the, the boy wouldn't go to church uh, because, you know, obviously he's from a Muslim family and, and he did not want to be 
you know, he would have felt that is that would be the last place that he would go. But you know, people did try to to um, help and um, did try to to be helpful as well, uh, along with the foster family. Now, um, there was now it, after the, the he was arrested two weeks before the attack. The mother, the foster mother, did say that um, she was thinking she was going to have to give him up, you know, that he was too much to handle. Uh, now, whether the boy knew that uh, and made his, um, and figured his time was limited and made his attack sooner rather than later, uh, I don't know, but we, in no way was this the fault of the family. Um, Let me see, what else did I want to talk about? Mainly, well, I want to talk about um, about uh, how political correctness uh, got in the way again of doing the right thing, which was to have kept this boy in jail when they came to, when he came to their attention two weeks before. Um, also not looking at 18 and 21 year olds as foster children um, and looking at, in general, you know, I mean, it doesn't really, I think they need to rethink the plan of putting foster or putting refugees uh, in foster care homes, especially after the age of 12, because it is really, you can't, that is too severe a situation psychologically that is too, they have been traumatized too much by things that lead them leave them too vulnerable to being radicalized to expect a foster parents to somehow turn that around and turn it around quickly enough to avoid these children uh, going ahead with their plans to create terror attacks. So, you know, there, there, no matter how much love a foster parent can provide, uh, it really is too much once you get a, a child or a teenager uh, over, over the age of 12 to, to um, on their own, uh, be able to turn things around. These families need a lot more help. And, um, you know, one th solution that I've thought of, and I know it's going to be totally uh, not PC, um, but I am <laughs> not PC sometimes. Um, when I when I think there's a good reason to be like this, uh, there should be places set up more like um, where they can house more kids and have more intensive kind of psychotherapy and and, and anti-radicalization prevention, you know, prevention of radicalization um, in a more organized. Um, I don't want to say institutional, but that's kind of <laughs> kind of what it is. Like like me, like families um, constructed to in a more organized kind of way. I mean, yes, there is the risk, just like in jails. That's when people get radicalized when there are you know. But but that's in jails after these people have already been committed of crimes, uh, convicted of crimes, and um, are already these are people who are already angry. And um, if you can catch the, if you don't put the children, the, the refugee um, 
the younger refugees and you keep them no older than, than 12 in the families, in foster families, and you put um, the, the older teenagers into these more uh, organized, yes, institutional-like places with very intensive kind of anti-radicalization supervision, then I think that that is at least temporarily the better solution than uh, doing this. And I hope that the system that the UK has learned not to put, not to, not to consider these 18 and 21 year olds children and not to have them ruin more um, good people's lives like the Jones couple. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Uh, please check out my website, which is www.terroristtherapist.com and my Facebook Terrorist Therapist page. If you just put in Terrorist Therapist into Facebook, search for that, you will come to my Terrorist Therapist page. And um, of course, now I can say my book is out. I know I've, <laughs> I've been saying in podcasts, earlier podcasts, uh, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> I, it actually is out now. I just released it in New York um, on, in time for 9-11 at the uh, New York City Fire Museum. And I am going to Washington, D.C. this coming week and launching it at the uh, National Press Club. So there will be more on that to follow. You can go to the, um, of course, it's being sold wherever books are sold. Um, brick and mortar bookshops, I recommend so that they don't go out of business. And you can find it online as well. And you can find it online at my publisher's website, which is terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. Thank you again for listening.